and you're listening to 87.6 FM Apollo Bay Radio, The Wellness Couch with Brett and Katarina Morrison. And the vagus nerve and its connection to health tonight, we're having a great talk with Rani Buchanan. Uh, the vagus nerve is the actual longest and most complex of the 12 pairs of cranial nerves that emanate from the brain and he'll be able to talk about all this as being the uh, fantastic chiropractor that he is. How are you going Rani? You there? Yes, I'm here. Go Rani, how are you going mate? Oh, good, thanks. How are you? How are you going? Yeah, going well, thanks. Going really well. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's... so I, I, I made it back. I probably could have come into the station. I just wasn't quite sure about how, how um, whether I would finish up in time. But um, I did. I got home and I just got in the door. Time for a quick cuddle with the kids. Oh, that's yeah. the most important thing. That's good. Yeah, and I can smell the... The, the food. The, the, I can smell the fried eggs on toast in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty good. <laughs> That's all good. I was going to say we can always put a song on and um, you can walk on over, but I'll let you eat your fried eggs on toast. Nah, it's all, all good. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, th- thanks so much for joining us again. So back again for, for another session. So thanks very much for that. Ah, my pleasure. It was, um, it's, it's been, I was thinking that the time's gone quick since the last one. It has, hasn't it? So. It has, but we had to get the master manipulator back in. <laughs> so you're just a wealth of uh, knowledge. So we thought we'd get you back in, um, talking about the vagus nerve and its um, impact on uh, people's health. So obviously, yeah. yeah, you see that a lot in clinic. But uh, what we want to talk about first is you and how you actually navigated the path to being a chiropractor. Yep. So I was interested, um, interested in in science and, and health and, and, and health science and um, also did interest in sport. So that sort of merged into a, um, a degree at the Ballarat Uni doing um, Bachelor of Applied Science in Human Movement. Actually, and let's then, be honest, it wasn't just an interest in sport. You've got some allegations there. Um, your wall will be filled up with uh, lots of... Um, we heard you're a bit of a legend uh, yeah. sports person. Yeah, yeah, so don't bypass that one. Well, we, we, we had nothing better to do back in the day than <laughs> we played football so, and cricket. Football in the in the wintertime and, and cricket in the summertime. So, yeah, my, my brothers, my five brothers and I, it was um, good entertainment, good entertainment. No, your walls, always, your walls are full of trophies, I heard, and uh, medals. So, yeah, bit of an icon. Actually, I'm actually, I have to tell you, we were a bit hard up one, one winter and we didn't have any wood. And we took the little labels off the trophy. <laughs> and we used the rest of the thing. Oh, wow. That, that would have um, made the trophies not stand so well after a while, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, no. There was only a couple. There was only a couple. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But also, uh, you also did some teaching before you became a chiropractor as well. Yeah. Yep. So I, I did some teaching. Um, I did a year up at Donald, um, up in the wheat farm. Yep. And then I uh, um, two and a half years in a polar bay, and my teaching was um, health health science stuff. Um, Fantastic! So you're yeah. well known here, yay! Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm feeling quite old now. It was um, twenty odd years ago that I was a teacher, so a lot of the a lot of the kids there, are, you know, they have got kids themselves now, and they're um, yeah, the, the, the time the time that I had as a teacher seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it would do. How do you find that? Uh, I guess that teaching experiences helped you in your clinic. Uh, look, I think um, 
as a clinician engaging with lots of different people yeah. and, and and the nuances of communicating with different people at different levels in their health consciousness is really important to, to make a connection. And I think that, that all started as a teacher, um, you know, where you really, you, you, especially in a, a small community, you, you, you're connecting with lots of different people through the school and, and, and that was sort of good. It definitely... Brought, brought me out of my shell and, and I feel a lot more confident in talking to groups of people and individual people. Yeah. Like I know for myself, having seen you in your, in your clinic, um, like it's not just about giving someone a magic pill, it's actually about teaching them to take responsibility for their own health and that's the part that I found mm-hmm. you know, working with you is very, very beneficial and I'm sure that sort of plays through from your previous experience in, in what you say, a previous life essentially, now in, into your clinical practice. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really appreciate the role that teachers play in, in our um, you know, in our world. Um, my mum and dad are teachers, and um, giving people skills to, to help them look after themselves is, is really good, and setting them you know, on, on, a, on a journey of discovery. It's, it's, mm. Yeah, well, you've set, you've set quite an impression, even on our little one, because she wants to become a chiropractor, I think. At the oh, moment, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you've obviously set the uh, the standards. Oh, that's great. I'm keen for her to become a chiropractor too. <laughs> so <laughs> the good thing, the good thing um, about our community too is Rani's actually come down here now. So are He's you joined. living in Apollo Bay? Yep, we're living in um, we're living in in Apollo Bay. We, we're, we're up in Colac for a few years, just when the kids were little and we were um, needing a bit of help to get. To, to just learn how to be parents, <laughs> yeah. it made it a bit easier to juggle juggle um, our life. But now we're uh, we're really our eldest child, maybe she's five now. So wow, yeah. school age, yeah. We're getting um, into the school age, we'd, we'd like to come back down and reconnect into the community. Down oh, there. fantastic! That's great. That's great for yeah. us. So, so we're, are you we're pra- back. Are you practicing in both locations? Yep. So I do um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday up in Colac, and then I do Friday morning. Great. In, in Apollo Bay. Cool. All righty. Yeah. Now, you're the perfect person to talk to about the vagus nerve, and it's obviously the connection to our health. Um, yeah. c- can you uh, just explain to the audience, I guess, what it is? Yeah. Yeah, so the vagus nerve is um, it's one, of the, one of the cranial nerves, uh, one of the 12 cranial nerves that uh, don't, don't exit out of the... Um, through the spinal cord, through the foramen magnum, or the, the big hole at the bottom of the skull. Yeah, it's wow. one of the 12 cranial nerves that exits from small, small hole um, just beside the foramen magnum. Um, so these, these, these uh, cranial nerves, um, uh, they, they control things like our eyesight, our sense of smell, our hearing. Um, some of them are, are, are motor pathways, so they control muscles of the face. Some of them are the sensory pathways, so they take you know, information from the skin, from the tongue, from the eyes back into the central nervous system. And then we're able to, to use all those um, special cranial nerves to, to create a picture of what's going on around us, to um, appreciate the information and, and, and create a, a picture of, of um, the environment that we're in at any point in time. Yeah, so, so- the, the the vagus nerve is very complex, so and, and it, it's just a. You know, I was sort of refreshing myself on it last night, and 
I remember the, the um, neurology teacher, he used to call it the, the happy wanderer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then I came across, you know, in a, in a, in a research article last night, they described you know, as the wanderer nerve. And, and I, I think it's like a, uh, my, my visual image of it is like a, like a wisteria a oh, line. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, it yeah. Just, it just courses through, you know, from, from head to, head to, to tail. Um, from from the head through the trunk and, and into the gut, and it, it just touches everywhere and um, has an amazing. Uh, well, has it, it initially the research was suggesting that it was just a uh, um, an efferent nerve, so a motor nerve that would wrestle with the, the sympathetic nerve nerve um, nervous system. So there was this on on balance between the. the Vagus nerve and the sympathetic nerve. Oh, system. okay, yeah, yeah. To control, to control our, you know, our constitution, whether it would be sympathetic or parasympathetic. But now it's, it's, it's you know, it's well known now that it also has a sensory input from from the body back to the brain. So it has an afferent, afferent action that makes up about eighty to ninety percent of the nerve function. Um, of the vagus nerve, so really it's a sensory nerve, and only about ten to twenty percent of the function of the vagus nerve is a motor nerve pathway or, or an efferent nerve pathway. That's amazing that that you actually said too that it really um, contributes to the autonomic nerve system. You know, both the parasympathetic, uh, parasympathetic and sympathetic part. So it it shows that it's really important um, in promoting our health. Really, to be able to yeah yeah. yeah. It's a big one, yeah. and you'd see that in your clinic all the time as well. So, um, yeah. like you said, it's essentially it's a circuit that links, you know, like your your neck, your heart, your lungs, and um, all the way to the abdomen, to the brain, really. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the brain gets a sensory function of what's happening in those areas as well. Yeah, yeah. Feedback from all our internal organs to to our brain to, and, and a lot of that feedback um, is to do. With inflammation, so if we have inflammation or we have an inflamed pancreas, inflamed liver, it's, it's giving us information about the state of inflammation in those, those uh, organs. So, so it really benefits us to have a really good toned vagal nerve system, obviously. Yeah, vagal tone. That's a good term. Um, if we have good vagal tone, then... Um, the vagus nerve is able to represent the parasympathetic nervous system well and and then it will be able to contribute well in the arm wrestle against the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. So what are the um, potential symptoms that you actually see um, when there's damage or it's not working correctly to the, vag- the vagus nerve in your clinic? Yeah. Um, well, when in, in clinic... It, in clinic, what what's really triggered my involvement in and, and talking and every day discussing vagal tone has been that you remember I talked a bit about the pediatric course. Yeah, yeah, because you you've just finished that a few years ago, didn't you? So you're an expert yeah. in pediatric care as well. Yeah. So in our assessment of pediatric patients, um, actually, I might I might rewind a little bit. We'll go back up. Go back up to where the vagus nerve starts. So the vagus nerve comes out of a, a small hole just at the base of the skull, on the back of the skull, between the base of the skull and the first vertebrae. 
Yeah. And that's called the jugular foramen. Mm. But it doesn't come out on its own. It's coming out of the um, jugular foramen with three other cranial nerves. So you've got cranial nerves 9, cranial nerves 10, 11, and 12. Wow, they're, all, they're important ones, those ones, yeah. Near the neck, yeah, yeah, they're all in the same space. So um, when we're, when we're um, assessing a baby or, or a, a patient for possible vagal tone disruption, then we're also looking for clues of, of disruption to those other those other cranial nerves. Um, so you know, we're looking at the tongue, the function of the tongue. We're looking at the um, we're looking at um, looking at the gag reflex. That's a really important one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I know that if there's, um, you know how they test for the gag reflex and they put something at the back of your throat, <laughs> so uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you don't gag, that's that's how they gauge that your vagal nerve has low tone. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So gag, gag reflex technically is controlled by cranial nerve 9. But if cranial nerve 9 is faulty, then you, you've got to be suspicious of, cranial nerve 10, 11, and 12 because they're all bunched into the one hole. Yeah, right. And that's interest- so, that is interesting you talk about that because you would see a lot of birthing issues when you're with children as well, being a, like, you know, um, yeah. now that you've done your paediatric um, degree, you've actually seen that as well, haven't you, like a birthing problems or, or children at that age that have fall or have accidents as well with their head and neck area? Yep, definitely. And... um. You know, the biomechanics of the of the, the birth and the, and the the relatively large head to the immature neck. Okay, is that what means? Yeah. The the uh, the occiput C one joint comes under a lot of pressure, and that tends to be where the faults occur early on in life, from from zero to one year of age. And then as as we get a more mature biomechanical system, there the stress points become lower. They become, you know, as we get three or four years old, they're around C3 and 4. And as we get six, seven years old, they, they go down to that seven case. Wow. Wow. But, okay. But we're more likely to, to have uh, occiput C1 problems when we're born, yeah. So is that like um, where you find that some children have difficulty speaking as well as, as they emerge, like, you know, between one and five? Did you say um, difficulty speaking? speaking? Yeah. Yeah, yep, certainly. Um, so um, the the so the vocal cord uh, yeah. also is supplied by the glossopharyngeal nerve. Yeah. Um, yeah. So certainly the tone of the, the tone of the cry. I, I remember. Wow. I was yeah. Yeah. A baby. Um, this year, earlier on this year, it was a preemie baby, and um, the mother noted straight away when baby cried that the cry sounded different straight away. Yeah. Mm. That was interesting. When that we, is. When we put, put yeah. input into the, that area. I, I hadn't heard the baby cry yet, so I didn't know, but the mother said straight away, oh, the cry, it sounds different wow. straight away. Yeah. Yeah, so it has, has an effect on the on the motor pathway to the vocal cords. And, and so that would affect like nausea and vomiting and changes obviously to di- digestive processes as that vagal nerve goes down to the abdomen at the front there as well. So um, that's absolutely amazing. So if you can capture that early on and notice mm. those changes, then the individual doesn't have to suffer um, you know, continual 
those sort of continual issues that we can see in clinic. Yeah, yeah. When when in our on our clinic intake form for paediatric patients, we always ask questions. Oh, great! Um, yeah. Like we're screening for biomechanical dysfunction. So a lot of the a lot of the patients are coming in because not because they're worried about the vagal tone, but because they're worried about their ability to feed. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they're not comfortable feeding on one side, maybe. And will that um, affect um, like swallowing as well? Like it's difficult exactly for them right. to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 So we have boxes like, does your does the baby have a, a does it do lots of projectile vomiting? Um, has it trouble? Does it have trouble yeah. swallowing? Does it cough and splutter? Because these are the these are the nerve pathways of the, the throat. These cranial nerves um, nine, ten, um, and twelve uh, are cranial nerves that control the actions of sucking and swallowing. So when we look at breastfeeding, it's suck and swallow, suck and swallow. Um, so we're, we're we're seeing dysfunction in in other cranial nerves around the vagus nerve, and and most of these babies too, they don't they they've got interruptions in their sleep cycles. Um, they could have, mm, yeah. who knows? They might have had antibiotic use early on in life. Um, it can be a really um, complicated clinical picture, but we're looking for dysfunction at, at the um, at the brainstem level at cranial nerve 9, 10, 11 and 12 yeah. and we know that cranial nerve 10 is the vagus nerve. Um, when, you, when, you, when you want to stimulate the vagus nerve, you say R and the uvula should be in the midline, you know, the little dangly bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a, um, there was a whiplash patient in a couple of years ago yeah, that, that had um, must have had inflammation around the brainstem and mm. I, I saw the uvula just go sideways like it was getting pulled. Wow! Piece of wow! Yeah, and, and you can see that in the tongue sometimes too. That the tongue will track off to, to one side. Yeah. So I mean, if the vagus nerve is under impact or traumatized, or you normally see um, higher cytokine storm or inflammation in the body, don't you normally? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, it is a receiving. Um, it's receiving information from the organs. Um, about inflammation, and then I suppose it would have a role in, in producing, you know, prostaglandins and leukotrienes and cytokines and yeah. stuff like that to, to deal with inflammatory. Yeah, that's a marker. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, like, what by what you're telling us too, it seems imperative that you know, if you did have a baby, or you know, it'd be a great idea to to get uh, the baby checked out, like the head neck area, just um, for for pediatric care, obviously. To avoid all those yeah. uh, long-term issues, I mean, it seems vital that you know they should actually be checked um, when they're birthed in hospital. I mean, because what do they yeah. do? They can pull them out with vacuums. Do they still use that vacuum in yep. hospital? Yep. They got, still do. Yeah, definitely. I think um, certainly we have um, forceps, and then we still have the Vontus. I think the Vontus. Yeah. Yep. So we're still getting babies with the. Um, you know, bits of uh, hematomas and things like that oh, wow. after birth yeah. trauma. Yeah, um, yeah, de- definitely a good idea to check check the neck, and uh, especially if there's any obvious uh, feeding problems or things like failure to thrive, um, vomiting, uh, vomiting after feeding, or, or not not sleeping. Mm. So vagal tone could be affected, and also the, the kidney just probably can be in pain too. Um, Oh, poor darling, yeah. And, and some, of the, 
the surrounding the surrounding cranial nerves um, also controlling the process of feeding and, and digestion as well. I know from empirical evidence, obviously in clinic too, that um, one of the co- uh, common problems I see, like wh- whether it be children or adults, is um, like gas and bloating and constipation, and and that could obviously happen in in pediatric care as well. Um, yeah. Um, and that's obviously because the vagal nerve goes over the abdomen as well, like it goes past the yep. abdomen. So um, the gut-brain connection is, is quite, you know, I mean, we're talking about that now, like research is proving mm-hmm. that the gut-brain access is, you know, quite, um, it's quite intense. But um, those those are the type of issues that we actually see, the gas, the bloating, the constipation, even like um, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. Um, yep. Yeah, due to that uh, low vagal tone as well, or issues that we have with that vagal nerve as well. Mm. Um, mm. Now, I've also seen people that uh, overeat. Um, yeah. yeah, overeat because uh, the wrong hormone comes out instead of, um, you know, leptin, yeah. you've got ghrelin coming out. And so the yeah. hormones actually get affected and people actually overeat. And then you get a lot of inflammation mm. in the body as well. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Obviously produced, was- like you said, by the cytokine storm. Yep, I was I was reading about that last night, and the, the control of satiety or hunger is is we're talking about um, afferent nerve supply from the gut to the brain. Exactly what you're saying, you know, if if the vagal if the vagus nerve is all bruised and trapped and squashed somewhere in the body, whether it, you know you know be a diaphragm problem or you know an occiput problem, then you may not be able to feel feel or you don't sense um, satiety, you don't sense hunger. Um, so uh, yeah, that, 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 was, that was something that I just um, stumbled into last night when I was reading. I thought that was quite amazing. Mm. And I was also reading a bit about the microbiome and, and um, different, you know, the different microbiome yeah. balance and yeah. its connection to, to the vagal tone as well. Yeah, oh, definitely. They're proving that in research at the moment. So... So, like, in babies, I guess just the birthing process can cause mm. challenges. So, how, how, as we get older, what causes the vagus nerve to lose tonality? So, what, what are some of the things that causes that lack of tone as, as we grow older? Um, so, what, micro, the, the, the microbiome is an important one. When, when you have a healthy microbiome, it, tone, it can tone the, the um, vagus nerve. Yep. I think... Um, so the relationship between the vagus nerve and its its parasympathetic effect on the body, so its calming effect on the body, yeah, yeah, has to be balanced with the sympathetic um, nervous system, and and so stress. If we have overwhelming oh, yeah. sympathetic drives through our body from whether it be workplace stress or you know, relationship stresses, chemical stress. Um, postural stress, all this stuff is ending up in the adrenal gland being activated, cortisol flushing through the system, and Mm. um, we turn into a sympathetic dominant person, which which then makes it very hard for the vagus nerve to do its job. So we'll have a tone, a more sympathetic tone in the body. And, Ronnie, the the heart rate goes up too, and so that's where we see a lot of anxiety too, don't we? You know, because, I mean, it's constant. That fight-flight really sets off the the heartbeat, and then you get those associated biochemical flows coming through your body. But um, it really sets the scene up for anxiety, doesn't it? That's why we're seeing a lot more anxiety. Um, Definitely. 
Yeah, no, around at the moment, particularly like what's going on, you know, with the fight flight system. It just seems like everyone's sort of in that system like continuously at the moment. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. it's been a tough couple of years. You know, a lot of people's lifestyles have changed so much. So, you know, a lot of anxiety and depression um, related with low vagal tone. Um, yeah. So you talked about so, food. You talked about food previously. I can just tell people that I know that prebiotics and uh, probiotics are really good for the brain gut access as well, for, for that vagal tone as well. So eating fermented foods like, you know, sauerkraut and kimchi or fermented foods um, or having probiotics are really good for that vagal tone around the abdomen or that gut brain access as well. Yeah, awesome. It's bi-directional. You know, the, the, um, the information flow is um it's two way and and the enteric nervous system actually it, it can work quite well even without the vagus nerve it has its own circuitry yeah it's amazing so, isn't it well that's when when we say we have that second brain so um yeah i think we're just it's, touching uh, on the um iceberg seriously there on that enteric system too about the gut yeah. bacteria i really do oh yeah i've got it i've got Three hours of um, <laughs> three hours of Henry Butt. You know Henry Butt. Yeah, yeah. The bio screen. So a part of our paediatric um, professional development this year, he did three hours of um, gut um, microbiome. Oh, fantastic! Interesting. Yeah. Uh, assessment and analysis, and I'm I'm getting through that. I've, I've actually listened to them, and I'm going to listen to them again. But that that yeah, it's quite amazing. He's um. His take on on microbiome imbalances and and the drivers for anxiety and, and chronic fatigue um, was really interesting, and it, it it just it just showed how important that balance is. And it talked a lot about um, overgrowth of uh, um, Streptococcus and oh, yeah, Enterococcus, yeah. and and the um, also underlying lower levels of E. coli and how that that is driving. Um, you know, a lot of that anxiety and, and um, chronic fatigue types. It's um, interesting, isn't it? Because we see that a lot more in the stool test too, the streptococci and uh, yeah, yep. other parasites exactly coming right. in. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and, and probably um, a lot to do with the refined carbohydrate yeah, diet that yep. and to, to, to have been moved towards in the last, you know, last few years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because there's not much prebiotics, um, you know, like, like um, all those cruciferous vegetables and all that going into people at the moment. People were tending mm-hmm. to um, get supermarket food, which is quite processed. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, pre and probiotics left out of their food, unfortunately. And, um, and have you have you heard about have you heard anything about you know what the makeup of your gut is can have an effect on your food choices. Yeah, yeah, because it so, craves certain foods. It craves it. Like, so <laughs> yeah. it's like this like, beast in your body that yeah. says, basically wanting you to give it give it the food that will then It's amazing, isn't it? Better. Yeah, it determines yeah. your behaviours, but it even determines your moods as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you can see so, that. You can see certain people have, like, uh, example, wheat, um, you know, yeah. like just white wheat, um, and yeah. because of all the sprays it's got. And you can see that their mood actually changes as well. In that five minutes, I shouldn't laugh, but I have actually observed yeah. that. Um, no, it's a bit scary. <laughs> it is, it is actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. 
And just for um, while we're on the subject of food too, so um, anything like quercetin and um, vitamin C are really good for um, the ability of the nervous system um, or the vagus nerve to respond to, you know, how the heart rate or the variability changes according to, yeah. So um, that's really good to um, help modulate the response to those variations as well that occurs. So that was vitamin C. And yeah, vitamin C is really good for that. Yeah, to, to help respond to those pressure variations that we actually do see, you know, like the heart variability. Very I haven't had much water today, sorry. Yeah, no, that's good. And that's a, um, another, a good way of measuring your, your vagal tone, isn't it? So that um, you, can, you, you could use that in clinic um, maybe to, to um, check how people are going too. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, mm. They do say do that. Measure, do you measure HRV in, in clinic? Uh, get it tested. Get yeah, it tested yeah. through naturopath. Um, but you can tell via breathing as well. So yeah, um, yeah. you can tell the changes between the in breath and the out breath. Yeah. As well, so you can um, you can check the variability that way. Mm. I was going to touch on that a little bit too. Like go when, for it. When we, go for when it. We have, <laughs> when we have um, kids in. The vagus nerve has a va- uh, vasomotor control, so we, we can do a um, we can do a capillary refill test on the heel. On the heel, yeah, yeah okay. pushing in, blanching the heel. Okay, yeah, and yeah. They've got really pink little, cute little pink heels. Oh, they're cool. Yeah. yeah. Push, hold for three seconds, and let go, and that blanching it should come back into a pink state in about two seconds. So if we get an obvious um. A difference or a, a slow refill test, then that might be a, another indicator for poor vasomotor control. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but it, it also can—it's it, not specific, so it, it could also be you know, dehydration might be a, be also a cause of that or shock. So it's just another—it's a, a test that we use though when we're when we're digging for lots of different clues. That's interesting, yeah. Our neurology teachers to say that we should be looking for lots of different signs and yeah. not just one neurological sign. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I like the bundle of nerves that we have up there, the four nerves. If we get signs that all of those nerves aren't working well, then we know there's a problem in that biomechanical area and we can really focus in on changing the tone of the muscles there and, and making sure that the, the joint is working well so the occipital joint has a characteristic um, way of moving. You should be able to, it's like a scooping movement in chin into flexion, chin into extension. Yeah, because you would do a lot of that, don't you, craniosacral therapy as well? You do a lot of Mm -hmm. that (laughs) because there'd be a need for that. Probably more more so now, um, earlier on in the year, I did a a, a SOT course, a sacro-occipital technique uh, course where, where I, did the cr- actual cranial um, tra- cranial therapy training up in, in Sydney, and it was it was really amazing because I did do this a few years ago when I did my applied kinesiology course. But then I, I I did some more studies this year up in Sydney, and the, it was amazing that I really got a lot out of that course this time around. And I love doing the cranial therapy stuff now. Oh, that'd be yeah, great. It, it, Really nice, <laughs> and and when people get up, they quite often I think they have a, a vagal shift because quite often they they will say you know they're quite lightheaded and 
know, just take a minute, just have a few deep breaths, <laughs> and don't run out of the room in my truck. So um, when they do have problems, obviously, because you're the expert and, and you can see that they do have issues, how do you actually help them activate or, or tone up their, their vagus nerve? Yeah, so so my, my the best way that I'm trying to do that is by adjusting the occiput. Yeah. B1, upper cervical spine there. Yeah. Um, and also we... The link with, with the SOT, sacro occipital technique, it describes the, the relationship between the occiput and C1, C2, and the, the sacral area, L5, S1, and, and the sacral segments in babies especially. So in those areas, the spinal cord is attached. Um, and in the middle, in between those areas, it's, it's floating in that, in that vertebral canal. And, and, but the major attachments are where we, we, we'll get pressure so if we have a if we have a, a problem down around the tailbone then we could get dural tension so the dural mm-hmm. will then pull on the upper cervical spine occiput and cause problems up there okay, so they're, yeah. they're my go-to areas and, and that's that's where we're really trying to hone in and um and, and maximize the the biomechanic ma- maximize the movement and, and maximize the neural integrity around those areas how beautiful is that? I mean, because you'd see a child thrive, you know, after they've been um, looked after in, in that way instead of having issues, you know, and sort of mm. stumbling through life, you know, those first five years of life. So it must be gorgeous yeah. to, to work on them and actually see them thrive. It, it is good and, and um, it, it's amazing and it's so it's so rewarding as a, as a parent. You know, having young kids, it can, it, it, the last thing you want them to see them is to be sick or unwell no. um, no. And, and not feeding. And, and as a mother, you know, who's trying, if they're trying to breastfeed, no. and they're, they're having trouble attaching their baby and, and having trouble getting food in, and, and the scut, you know, we're weighing the baby and they're not putting on weight. You know, that's, that's as bad as stressful as it can get. Yeah, it's traumatizing for the whole family. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. not sleeping at night, screaming yeah. out. Oh, this be, sort of stuff. Yeah. So turning that around, it's just like, and I know, you know, now that I've got kids, I, I know how um, how hard those nights can be when when the babies are crying and you know those f- first first couple of months, if, if things aren't going so well, yeah, it's it's, it's tough and and it's really nice to to try and um, have a role in in helping kids grow and helping families uh, function. Mm. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the more you stimulate the vagus nerve, um, because it's responsible for the parasympathetic, you know, the rest digest and chilling out, as you said previously, um, Mm. the more that we get rid of the the sympathetic nervous system, you know, the fight or flight Mm. that so many people are going through now, um, mm. Because that's just laced with adrenaline and cortisol, isn't it? But uh, yep. what do you tell the actual adults? Um, how can they actually activate or tone um, their response and, and reduce you know, their heart rate and obviously their blood pressure? How do you find that? How do, how do we go about... Um, More of an adult. Because children, I mean, can't... I guess you can't teach them to breathe, can you? I mean, that's yeah. just autonomic. But um, with adults, you can actually sit down and... Um, teach them to breathe deeply. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we we do a lot of work with. Um, well, our clinic is really focused in on a protocol called the sympathetic dominant dominant protocol, which um, fantastic. It it looks at um, 
it looks at the what 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 is it? What is sympathetic dominant? Um, trying to educate people about the different stresses that might put them into a sympathetic mode. Um, it's going to be needed. So, it's going to be needed these yeah. next few years. I'll tell you now. <laughs> yeah, and, and I try and look at. I try and educate people about that nervous system. And the, the reality is, like with the, the sympathetic response, there's five brainstem nuclei that activate the response. Yeah, they'll send a reflex message through the through the spinal cord from 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 the brainstem. There's a nerve supply to the thoracic spine. And then from the thoracic spine, there's a second-order neuron that activates the adrenal gland. So you've got five potential triggers that can um, fire up the adrenal gland. So you, and you need to be you need to be um, considerate of all those because the nature of that response is is it it was it's so vital it was so vital to run away from some life-threatening event. So yeah, because it's yeah. primitive, we, we like to talk, a pr- very primitive um, response, we like to talk about it, it's being a, a response that is meant to be like running away from a hot saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it keeps so us alive. It's there for a reason. Yeah. But the stresses that we are um, dealing with now, I don't. Our, our, our stress response, that adrenal system, the, the, the sympathetic dominant response, it, it, it hasn't evolved to meet the insidious stresses that are long term now, yeah, they're not just a, yeah. a moment in time where you either live or die. They're, they're long term stresses that just erode and chronically um, produce the, the cortisol response, which then, you know, really wears, wears someone down. So I, I just try to, to get in and, and educate people about that response. And then we can talk to them about um, ways of. of uh, taking taking those out of our out of our life. So the um, inferior colliculus and superior colliculus, brain, two of the brainstem nuclei, they're all to do with noise and light. So mm. if someone's in a really noisy environment, yeah, yeah. and you think they're struggling, their vagal tone's low, their sympathetic dominant systems marching on, then we we need to address noise. And it might be that they have to wear earplugs to work in a factory or something, or. Is uh, this- sitting in front of a, a, a screen and there's you, that blue light coming at them all day, they might need to put a red hue on the computer to stop, stop the, the superior colliculus from being um, irritated. So that light, it, it has the ability to, to trigger our adrenal system as well. So it's funny that Possibly. you say that because the um, people who are epileptic um, and they get the overwhelm with the noise and light... Mm. Is, is that because their vagal nerve needs a little bit more stimulation? Yeah, yeah. I think they would do well with um, stimulation. And epileptic people have also a, a, um, so they have a problem with converting glutamine to GABA, don't they? Yeah. So they're, so they're, excited, they're in an excitatory mode already. Mm. The central nervous system is probably more, more biased towards sympathetic stimulation. Yeah, yeah. Poor darlings, they're always there, just up. I think the posture is really interesting too because if you look at um, the the posture of protection where you're hunching forward or where you want to run or when you want to fight, it's this sort of curled up flexed posture. And if your work work posture is that, like an office or a... a, um, 
you know, driving job or anything where you're in a flexed position, then you might be in the safest environment with beautiful people all around you, but your body is that body shape is still hooked into that primitive neurology and it will send information to your adrenal gland and and put you in start to put you in a sympathetic state. Jeez. Mm, a long term postural Wow. I wasn't aware of that, yeah. Activate that pathway as well. So, uh, like I know, with some of the work that we've that I've done with you, one way to I guess work through some of those is actually with a roller, isn't it? So people yeah, can yeah. actually Post- yeah. posture pole. Posture pole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, posture pole. Yeah. 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 Could you just talk a little and, bit about that? Yeah. So the, the posture pole, um, we just simply lay on it. It's one of the best exercises you can do um, in terms of you, you don't really have to do much except commit to laying down for a few minutes. <laughs> And um, it's actually the, the posture poles that we have there quite. Um, so we start off just with a few minutes, and it can be a bit uncomfortable for people who have a more of a flexed posture, rounded shoulder type thing. So we start off slow and do two or three minutes twice a day, and build up to about fifteen minutes a day, and then try and incorporate some breathing activity in there as well to, to really stretch the diaphragm out and get it moving properly, and. And even team it up with some, you know, a podcast or a meditation um, on, a, on an app or something like that to, to really help <laughs> calm, calm mm. down while you're on there. It's, it's, and it's, it's taking care of a couple of those neurological pathways at the same time. Yeah, and the other big one which we talked about is gut health because gut, chronic gut health is a chronic cortisol problem. It a is, chronic uh, cortisol yeah. problem is a sympathetic dominant person yeah. and and that will will start to um dominate and then um help you know, it, it decrease our vagal tone or ex- expression of our parasympathetic nervous system yeah look i also i mean you you obviously use breathing too i, I love breathing because it just sends the information up through the vagus nerve into the brain and uh like breathing out it sends info back down the nerve to slow down or speed up. And breathing deeply and slowly, um, and I'm talking about um, six breaths a minute, that's yeah. when our heart actually, yeah, it's it's, it's actually about six. <laughs> your I, breath's I, looking at me really weird. I, I think you're hyperventilating at six breaths a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I thought you were saying that. But it does. It's just um, the heart really slows down and we actually do relax. And so breathing just yeah. lets us know that we are safe and secure when we breathe um, slowly and deeply like that, you know. So... Yeah. Um, but when we breathe quickly, and, and you know that, our heart rate actually speeds up and we actually that's when we actually start to feel anxious, you know, because the adrenaline and cortisol start coming out in that response. So the yeah. trick is um, through that uh, vagal activity that it's highest and the heart rate is lowest when you are exhaling. That's the thing. So okay. I get people to actually mm-hmm. exhale a lot longer than actually yeah. um, breathing in. Um, yeah. And, and Brett, I know you're looking at me weird, but to achieve that maximum, like, tonality and calmness... Um, uh, I would actually suggest breathing in six times a minute, and that's about five seconds in and five seconds out. Yeah. Or six I, seconds yeah. out, yeah. I guess I've always recommended that you hold for five in the middle as well. Yeah, well, that, which, that's which the pause to, they talk about. But, yeah, it takes you about four breaths a minute. Yeah, but they do say that many monks and, um, you know, even practitioners lapse into that during um, the meditations or statements of mantras and affirmations. That's that's a natural progression that they actually fall into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
we've we've got some um, meditation cards, the children's um, meditation oh. cards by um, a, mindful, a mindfulness meditation or something. And we, we moved down here and we had boxes everywhere. And, and Novi, my oldest daughter, she found them the other day and she oh. loved them. <laughs> That'd be great. And we went through the whole. We went. I think there was about twenty. 20 poses and, and we breathe and we went through nearly all of them the other day and it was amazing you know this is this is the, my five-year-old dragged me into oh. got my dusted off our yoga mat put him down on the floor and ran me through a yoga session oh. and when i got up i was floating you know when you're doing oh that is beautiful <laughs> that's gorgeous and actually i took a picture of her she was doing the um a clam pose oh. <laughs> so she's breathing in Slowly breathing out. Yeah, it was amazing. So it really yeah, got me back. Got me back. Um, into, uh, uh, I think I'll get back into a rhythm of doing some yoga with, with um, my my two girls, the two and a half year old. Oh, was, uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And she breathes to put herself to sleep at night. Oh, so, that, <laughs> see, they can teach us so much. These children, they really can. And, yeah, and I say lovely. to a lot of people that if you're in a stressful situation, just, just pause and consciously slow down your breathing, even if it's for a minute or, you know, five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll put yourself into a calmer state and you'll just be able to, to get that clarity um, yep. and make that decision, which, whether it's fighting or flying away or whatever, you know, in, yeah. a, in a much calmer state. Definitely. You, you just perceive that stressful moment in a totally different way. So your action and your reaction is going to be a lot different. Mm-hmm. And like, um, Ronnie, you know this because you, you were an athlete too or are, are an athlete, but um, you'd be on top of the pyramid of, as well in regards to toning while while people that, uh, I guess, sit down on the couch or even people like um, hospital patients would have the lowest vagal tone. Mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, I, I think just, just moving um, – when when you move, you have good posture. Um, you're, you know, you're activating many different parts of the brain. Um, yeah, it, it's it's huge. Just keeping your body moving, I think, um, will put keep you in good shape. And, you, and you, you don't you don't even have to understand why, but it just does. So turning the vagal nerve comes in handy, like like you said previously, epilepsy and, you know, people with heart issues or inflammation mm-hmm. in their body or gut issues. But they're also talking about um, some heavy drinkers um, maybe perhaps may have low vagal tone. And so if you can yeah. stimulate um, uh, the nerve as a way to treat addiction for, for okay. um, yeah. heavy yeah. heavy drinkers as well. Yep, yep. So were you talk- talking about like electrical stimulation? Yeah, or? yes, yeah. yeah. The, there's a piece of skin, just, um, I believe it's the only piece of um, external skin and it's just around the tragus of the ear. Oh, wow. It, it is innovated by the vagus nerve. Oh, fairly well. Yeah. So, yeah, so you can put a little clip on there. You can get VNS vagal nerve stimulated. Oh, yes, that's what they are. And yeah, yeah. you can run a certain current through through that skin and that, that because it's it is a vagal, a piece of vagal nerve. Uh, the vagal nerve innervates that piece of skin. Yeah, you can stimulate the vagus nerve, apparently. <laughs> so it would massage mm-hmm. or pressure point work? Or what you st- actually do, yeah, manipulation too. Stimulate that as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, well, there's so many. I think there's so many different ways. And if you know know the, the neurology, uh, you know where the vagus nerve runs. Um, you, you could you could apply technique different techniques into different parts of the body. A lot, a lot of my work now is around the psoas muscle and the diaphragm, getting people breathing and stretching all yeah. that area. Yeah. And and that that's certainly a way of toning the, the vagal nerve and then. Occipital adjustments, suboccipital releases, where, mm. where we activate and and not um, restore normal motion to the okay. occipital. Yeah. That, that's that's my sort of go-to area to stimulate vagus nerve function. Yeah, that's interesting because the cells can shorten up a fair bit just from sitting down a lot, kind of. And like I think a lot of our work has become more sedentary, so there's less mm. less outdoor work and more people sitting behind computers and in offices. Um, mm, yeah. dri- driving cars or what it's going to be, um, but so that that also has an impact, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, your body position. Also, I also read some stuff last night about. Um, Can I have you up the, reading? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, well, so once I got started, I just couldn't. I, I was like, oh, oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! <laughs> but the um, the role of vagal tone in um, in PTSD, post traumatic oh, stress yeah, disorder, in, yeah, yeah, and. And if you have a look, I'll have to. So I'm going to read this out. Go for it, because because that's noted, isn't it? Um, with um, yeah. mental health as well at the moment, like anxiety and depression, and you know even suicidal um, issues, yeah. low vagal tone. So they're talking about yeah. actually stimulating. Yeah. So so does concussion and pressure. Mm-hmm. I guess pressure injuries. So like I know there's a lot of military vets that have PTSD. So. Um, mm. From explosions, gunfire, mm-hmm. breaching mm. into buildings, does that Falls, then yeah. does that then have a, a major impact on that PTSD piece, like you're saying, through the vagal nerve? Yeah, yeah. So this is so we're talking. Remember, we're talking about sensory afferent cell bodies. Yeah. yeah. So they're the ones that are sending information um, from our body back to our brain um, along the vagal nerve. Um, so the sensory afferent bodies in, in no-dose ganglia, and they send information to the, a part of the brainstem called the nucleus tractus solitari. So these NTS then project vagal sensory information to several regions of the CNS, such as the locus surrealis, the rostral <laughs> medulla, and the amygdala. And the yeah, pelvis. wow. So it goes to the amygdala, and, and that's where we store a lot of our... Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Stress and anxiety memory. Oh, wow. So if if you if you have a better vagal tone, then the processing and and I, I don't know a lot about the the, the psychology behind it, but they, but they were talking about um, vagal nerve stimulation and and extinction. Yeah. Um, whatever yeah. that means, I think it's a, like a technique to try and um, explore the, the whatever the shock or the the stress was that caused PTSD. Yeah, the trauma. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't get right into it, but, but, but you can see that you can see the neural link there between the afferent input from the vagus nerve to the amygdala, and then you know working working the, the vagus nerve and amygdala through some type of technique. Um, you can you could see how that would have an effect oh, with yeah. people suffering PTSD. Yeah. Do you recommend cold compressors? You know how a lot of people say in that spot, you know, mm. the cranial nerve 10, cold compressors to the face and the back of the neck, obviously. Is that to reduce cytokine or inflammation? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I did come across that last night too. I was told told face washes and showers, um, but I didn't find any sort of neurology to to talk yeah. about. Like, the, the, the stuff that I've read in, I didn't really go into why it works, but it, it seemed to work. I know Wim Hof does talk about it though, about vagal tone with with his yep. you know techniques. <laughs> To yeah. cold, yeah, yeah, he does talk about that, and that's why people feel so great. I think because of that stimulation of that vagus nerve. Well, um, it's, it's definitely. I, I feel um, it's, it's interesting. Like when I go surfing, I don't mind getting cold because it. I feel like it, it, it really livens <laughs> me up. But you know, there's so many other things happening to me when I'm surfing too that I can see that my vagal tone would be stimulated in lots of different ways at the, at the one time. Now, connecting with nature. Yeah, connecting with nature. Um, you got all these, you know, um, ionisation of the water around you. Oh, beautiful! You're getting your body into extension. You're activating all these sensor muscles. Are you the opposite to the flexor muscles? Are you singing, and chanting out there on your board? Oh, there we go. <laughs> You've got another one. So oh no, Bob just said, are you singing and chanting? Because I know, I like gargling, yeah. and I, I was told gargling. singing. Gar- <laughs> gargling with salt water. <laughs> Is that what happens when you uh, get thrown by a wave? Oh, look, when, 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 when I get a good wave, I'm like, woo You're singing, yeah, and chanting, and then all you... Moringo. <laughs> yeah, or, or when you get taken by a wave, when you tumble down, yeah, you're gargling. That's salt gargling. water. Yeah, gagging, I'm gagging on salt water, <laughs> <Yeah>. gargling, <laughs> working at all. And then you know what? You, you alternate, um, you're doing prayanama because you, you alternate nostril breathing because you have to get that water out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, all the things, you know, it's, it's amazing that, that all the different ways that, that um, you know, we we have potential therapies um, that, that are can be relevant to, to vagal tone. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just getting the, uh, we're looking... We'll have to go we have to start um, yeah. Yeah, doing the wrap-up. Amazing that hour has gone by, Ronnie. It so, always um, does with Ronnie. Thank you so much. But look, where can people connect with you and find you, um, book in for a, a treatment with you? How do they, how do they locate you? Um, so we've got a practice at Apollo Bay, 44 Nelson Street, um, and we have a practice up in Colac. Um, Which is a Buchanan family practice, isn't it? Buchanan yep. family chiropractic. We're most, we have, a, fa- we have a, um, a Facebook page that you can leave messages at and we can get back to you. And our, otherwise our phone number at the clinic is 0352312069. And I have a, face, I have a web page actually. Excellent. In so <laughs> Good. Hopefully we have it up um, for, for the next decade. Yeah, okay, so that's In not... the next decade. <laughs> so it's that, taken uh, me a long time, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Web pages will almost be out of date soon, won't they? They'll no, I'm go, just saying the new be, years here. Everyone so. will be going to apps and all that sort of stuff yeah, these yeah. days, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Instagram. Yep. Yeah, I just I just can't catch up. Oh, <laughs> they design it that way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fantastic. So people can contact you through Facebook, but also they can... Um, Book through the clinic. Book through the reception. clinic and, and call through call through the clinic. Um, Buchanan Family yeah. Chiropractic. And down on Polo yeah. Bay. Yeah. That is fantastic. Thanks so much for that. Thanks for sharing all of your wisdom once again. And, and thank you for talk, Always an encyclopedia, yeah, talking with you? us about the vagus nerve and, and the importance of that <laughs> wow. and, and the benefits to our general health. Yeah. Well, this was a two-way, two-way talk. Don't worry about that. You guys um, 
Yeah, you guys are all over it anyway. No, no, you always enlighten us. Thank you so much. You know, I, I didn't even know about that ear tag, you know, so I'll be looking at that too. We're looking at that one yeah. up. What was the name of that one again? It's, um, so the Tragus, um, that, you know. It, yeah. I, I believe, I'm not sure, I haven't looked this up, but people were getting it, um, piercings in there to help with migraine. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure whether there's a, a role there that the vagus nerve may be stimulated by the piercing in that funny little yeah. flap. I'm, I, I, I'm not sure if I've got the anatomy right there. Is it the okay. top of the ear? Is that at the top? So you, you've got the ear lobe, yep. and then if you go up to the, uh, the actual ear hole... Oh, and that mitts, little, that little flap, that, of course. That little yes. flap there. So I have seen piercings the there. Yeah. And, and oh, you yeah. know, my oldest daughter, for a long time, just as she was going to sleep, she'd used to tickle her ear right wow. on that point. Oh, she knows something. <laughs> yeah, and she'd tickle it. That's when you knew she was just about to drop off the sleep. She'd just start um, like running her finger just gently around Unbelievable. Her, the ear hole yeah. there. You gotta... <laughs> You know, if you're going to tickle anywhere, a kid to put in the spleen, then that'd be perfect spot. Yeah, I think that you've got be. some magical children. Watch out there. Yeah. <laughs> some star children, yeah. Mm, no, it was, it, it, yeah, it's, um, I, didn't re- I didn't, didn't appreciate her at the time, but then <laughs> I started to, I'm, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, she was onto something. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? It's amazing what yeah. they know. Mm. So, yeah, thank you so much, Ronnie. Uh, yeah, wealth we and knowledge you are, up. encyclopedia so, yeah. that you are. <laughs> we'll have to get you back on again. All right. Thank, thank you. It's, it's lovely to chat and it, it, it's, good. It's, a good, it's a good way of um, consolidating information to, to verbalise it with other people. and So and they can know, yeah. things like this. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Catch up with you, you soon. Thank you so much for coming on thank our show. Thank you, guys. Look, look, look forward to chatting again soon. All righty. Yep. Take care. All right. And that's 87.6 FM. I had to know where I was. Sorry. Uh, The Wellness Couch with Katarina and Brett Morrison. We'll see you next week with Psychedelics. Bye-bye.